0: Previously on Willing to Adapt.
1: On this podcast, we are talking about Pygmalion, the play, but we are also talking about the, to be specific, the film musical version My Fair Lady. Yes. And so we're talking about how that movie came to be adapted originally from George Bernard Shaw's Pygmalion. Correct. And this is kind of a special episode because we're talking technically about Four different things, if you think about it. We're talking about Pygmalion, but Mm -hmm. we're going to be talking about the Pygmalion film adaptation from 1938. We're also talking about the stage musical My Fair Lady, and then finally, the film version of My Fair Lady. So, yeah, kind of a bonus episode, a little bit. Like, why would she submit herself to Higgins, who's just going to boss her around and be a jerk when Freddy is just going to be subservient to her yeah like why would she not pick him
0: Mm-hmm. and so that they added there was other people who added uh had their own say in regards to the writing of the ending and in the end he was just like whatever that's not how it's supposed to end and mm-hmm. i think this was the beginning of the changes that eventually led to the musical that was the one thing uh, watching the evolution because it's as i'm watching so i read the play mm-hmm. watched the first original 1939 38 movie and then, of course, watch the musical at the end. And mm-hmm. it was, to me, fascinating to see the evolution. Oh, for sure.
1: Yeah. Yes. Like, it's not one of those adaptations where it bounces around. Mm-hmm. Like, this was a slow grow. Yeah. I'm Eric Von Crumley. And I'm Romy Reyes. Have you ever wondered how a book becomes a movie? or how a movie becomes a musical, or how anything is
0: adapted at all, join us as we talk about your favorite stories and all the changes that
1: were made along the way. But more importantly, why? This is Willing to Adapt. All right, should we move on to the film version of My Fair Lady? Which
0: is pretty much the same thing.
1: All right. So the film version of My Fair Lady is a 1964 American musical film adapted obviously from the stage production of My Fair Lady. It was directed by George Cooper Kukor Kukor, whatever. <laughs> Today's not the day for pronouncing names. It was released October 21st, 1964 by Warner Brothers. Uh, the budget was 17 million and it made 72.7 million in the box office. Wow. Yeah. And this is um this is a weird concept nowadays. It was a road sh- a musical road show. Which means they would take it around to different places, like on tour, essentially. And it was a whole big thing. Like, this is how they did ben, Ben-Hur Wait, and things.
0: Explain explain what that means.
1: It's confusing. Okay. <laughs> um,
0: like, did the actors and all of them go on tour? No, oh, okay. No,
1: like, because remember, this is before this is before everything was readily accessible. Okay. Right? Yeah. And so, like, films had to get sent out to theaters. Mm-hmm. And so, what happened is, um, roadshow movies would literally go on a like a roadshow, mm-hmm. and so they would they would go from like movie house to movie house. Interesting, hmm. and and so like it, obviously it opened somewhere, but mm-hmm. then it traveled, and that's what roadshows would do. But it was like this whole event. Oh wow! Like roadshow attract roadshow movies were like over the top spectacles. Okay, like they were always expensive, and they would always have like these lavish. Like orchestra, like not necessarily an orchestra, but they would have the overture. Oh, okay. And um, they would have like big curtain that would open, Mm. and there was usually an intermission. Mm. That's why a lot of older movies, like you'll see overture and intermission. Yeah, because those were the roadshow movies. Oh, I've always wondered about that. Yeah, and so like there would be special music and stuff that would play during that time, and yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it was it was it was an event. Mm -hmm. Like like if you were out whenever you saw these movies and like instead of going to the theater, you could do that. Mm. Um, So anyways, most Rocha movie presentations made at the time they had an overture recorded, especially for the movie. And it was meant to be heard while the lights in the theater were still up, Um, but the movie screen curtains were closed. Okay. And then at the very end of the overture, the lights would go down and the movie would start. And what was then known as the main title music. Mm. So the overture was just like you finding your seat, mm-hmm. and then when the lights went down, that was when the the main music would start, and the movie would start. Right? Okay. So they they just they basically just used the overture to the stage version of *My Fair Lady*, of course. Yeah. But it was longer than the movie's opening credits, and so. Um, but they still wanted to use it. Mm-hmm. And so rather than using the typical roadshow format of overture and main title music to get around this, the filmmakers shot the movie so that half of the overture is heard against shots of flowers appearing on the screen. And then halfway through the overture, the lights go down and the opening credits begin.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if
1: you watch the movie and the opening bits of just music with flowers, that's why. Okay. You know, As a kid, I was always like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. There's always a reason just, for these things.
0: Yeah, I just assume things were different yeah. back in the day.
1: That's that's just a small thing. It it, it, it didn't even need to be brought up, but I wanted because that's what it was. I, I wanted to to say. <laughs> so so you already said that you saw My Fair Lady in high school. Correct. That was your first time.
0: That was my first time.
1: And I grew up with this movie.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so keeping like for me, if we didn't have well, we had cable, but things were different back then, and so. We only saw movies primarily if my dad brought them. I think I've I've said this in a previous podcast. If my dad brought the VHSs from the library and then we would watch as a family. I don't remember my dad ever bringing musicals back uh, or home. So it was, we started, I can't remember why we watched musicals in high school. I don't know if it was one of those, here's a movie we want, you know, we're going to put on to keep you entertained or if we watched it in English or what happened. But I want to say that My Fair Lady was the first musical I ever watched a movie of. Or even really, I had heard of them before. Uh, I remember when my family went to go see Phantom, uh, all the women in my family went, and I was not invited. Prior to that, though, I I knew they existed, but unless <laughs> I could get a, a, this is even pre-CD. <laughs> I know I'm dating myself. I want to say it was audio cassette time still. Uh, not high school. High school is already CDs. But it was the first musical uh, I saw. And I think right after that, I saw Fiddler on the Roof and then The King and I. And so it, it started a whole thing. But I just fell in love with musicals after seeing My Fair Lady.
1: Oh, and it's it's a good one.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: And it's still endearing. Mm-hmm. The people still love it.
0: Yeah. Prior to that, the only musicals I had watched were Disney animated features. Oh, yeah. Or unless it was on, like, Channel 13, Channel 5, KCT... No, K... I don't remember what the station call signs were, but... KTLA.
1: All right. (laughs) At $17 million, My Fair Lady, the film, was the most expensive Warner Bros. movie produced at the time. Nevertheless, it went on to become one of the biggest grossing movies of that year. Mm. And the movie was not exempt from drama. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to go into all of it because some of it is not as exciting as it sounds. But did you hear in your research about the drama about um, casting Audrey Hepburn over Julie Andrews? I did.
0: I I saw something, but I didn't have a chance to read it. All right. Well, I'll
1: fill you in Mm -hmm. because I haven't done enough talking. (laughs) So... The role of Eliza Doolittle was originally played on Broadway, like I said, by Dame Julie Andrews. Mm -hmm. However, she was denied the role because apparently, there's many reasons for this, this is one of them, apparently she was not, according to the producer Jack L. Warner, he didn't think she was quote unquote known enough as a movie actress. Mm -hmm. Many felt that this was a snub as well as Audrey Hepburn's singing being dubbed. Yeah. And it led to Hepburn's not being nominated for the Best Actress Oscar nomination. Funny enough. Andrews, <laughs> Andrews, however, was nominated that year for her role as Mary Poppins. That's funny. And she went on to win the Oscar for Best Actress. And she thanked Jack L. Warner in her acceptance speech. Hmm. Yes. Sass.
2: <laughs>
1: so here's the fun part. Audrey Hepburn was not the only one dubbed in this movie. Did you know that? No, I didn't. No. Like, um, <laughs> so Jeremy Brett, who played Freddie Einsford Hill, mm-hmm. was also dubbed. Oh, okay. That is not him singing.
0: Huh. Never would have known.
1: And here's the thing. Here's what's sad. He is, on record, said he did not know he was going to be dubbed. Oh, wow. He he just found out. Mm-hmm. He's like, that's not me. Interesting. Yeah. Which I think is sad. Yeah. But there you go. Uh, and apparently, Audrey Hepburn wanted to sing. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, she had gone through all this training to have the Cockney voice, but she wanted to sing, and she, you know, arg- arguably could sing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: She wasn't classically trained. She was classically trained as a dancer. Uh, okay. That was originally where she got her start, mm-hmm. and then she worked her way into movies um, because she was discovered dancing. Oh, uh, Okay. And so she started doing musicals because of dancing. Mm-hmm. And and she was picked for Roman Holiday, her first film, mm-hmm. because of like her grace and her very European look. Mm. And then that's how she got started in films. I mean, she had done some other small films, but that's how she got started in Hollywood. Okay. But she wanted to do her own singing. And she actually had recorded her own singing. Mm-hmm. And the studio... like She kind of had to fight for it a little bit, apparently. Mm-hmm. But the studio decided, obviously, to dub her. But mm. you can actually hear her sing in the film a little bit. Hmm. Yeah, so although her singing was dubbed by Marnie Nixon, mm-hmm. who has gone to do so many other things. Apparently, she's dubbed for many people. Yeah. But here's here's a fun random bit of trivia. <laughs> she played the, gra- the grandma in the animated Mulan.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Fun fact. Marnie Nixon dubbed Audrey Hepburn's singing... But um, when you listen to Just You Wait, Henry Higgins, mm-hmm. that is Audrey Hepburn until she hits the soprano notes.
0: Oh, uh, OK.
1: Yeah. So she it transitions over to Nixon. Mm-hmm. She also sings the sing-talking parts of The Rain in Spain. And overall, uh, Audrey Hepburn reportedly has said about 90% of her singing was dubbed. And that was far more than what she had expected. Oh, wow. And she was initially promised that most of her vocals would be used. Mm-hmm. According to Nixon, Hepburn was upset she could not play the role vocally and she always blamed herself for that. Hmm. Yeah, sad. So, Julie Andrews, like I said, was the first choice for the role of Eliza Doolittle. Mm-hmm. But Warner Brothers had paid $5.5 million for the rights to the musical and they didn't want to risk, like I said, a stage actress in the central role of the film, especially if it was so expensive. Okay. And even apparently... Um, the original creators of the musical had lobbied for Julie Andrews to be in it interesting however this reason has been strongly doubted by those who believe audiences would have flocked to see the movie regardless of who played the leading role mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a, there's a, always back and forth and it's hard to tell like what's true and what's not apparently she was in, uh, Julie Andrews was invited to do a screenshot and she refused because she felt snubbed and mm. you know all that There was controversy over Audrey Hepburn being cast. And it went as far as journalists claiming there was a feud between the two actresses. Hmm. And, of course, this was not true. Yeah. uh, Because Hepburn and Andrews Mm -hmm. were actually friends in real life. And they had great respect for one another. Mm -hmm. And the feud was debunked at the 37th Annual Academy Awards in 65 when Andrews recalled Hepburn telling her, Julie... You should have done it, but I didn't have the guts to turn it down.
0: Hmm. <laughs> Hollywood facts. Yeah.
1: So before we talk about some of the differences, mm-hmm. you do you want to share anything about the film? How you feel, what you think, what you like, what you didn't like?
0: I mean, being that it was one of the first musicals that I got to watch or was exposed to, I should say, because I was already in drama at the time and, and being exposed to theater, it was the first time I got to see a character in which you didn't have to have a great voice to sing. <laughs> <laughs> so I realized there are you know there there could be a potential show out there one day Hopefully I could be have in. Plenty. Yeah, no. I, I, now I know, but back then. And so I loved I was one of the reasons I I I loved the musical was that I could actually <laughs> sing along and sound decent in it. But honestly with the musical I think a lot of it was just it resonated with me especially at that time of my life uh it was um not only was it the first like i said one of the first ones i was exposed to and it was uh one in which i think as an intellectual i resonated with (laughs) especially the whole why can't the english uh song but i i really to me i think I, i and this is where i'm having a hard time separating my fondness from my youth and it being the first musical I was exposed to and differentiating between the other adaptations. It's like, I can't let go of how much I, it meant to me to being able to compare it. So automatically, I, and and I'm not familiar with a lot of Bernard Shaw's other stuff and things sure. like that. So this one will always be my favorite uh, compared to the other adaptations. That's why I think the, the, the movie pleasantly surprised me because it is so much more closer to the musical i prefer the way it was done in the musical um especially now that I've, we've we've read or i read the uh pygmalion and just seeing how choppy it was <laughs> you know it's like you going backwards right it's a little harder to appreciate the the original
1: yeah i, I think it's one of those things where if you're exposed to the musical first, mm-hmm. first. You you like the musical, Mm -hmm. and you can still like Pygmalion, but you prefer the musical. Yeah. Whereas I feel like if you watched or read Pygmalion first and you just loved it, Mm -hmm. or it really spoke with you on like a uh, I don't know societal cultural, I don't know level. Mm -hmm. You know I don't I don't know, (sighs) whatever. Yeah. I feel like then you would not like some things about My Fair Lady, obviously. Mm -hmm. Because there are definitely some changes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's kind
0: of like reading the book first versus watching the movie first. It's true.
1: It is. I I would argue whether or not you like or dislike certain things about My Fair Lady, you cannot deny that it is a more fleshed out version. Yes. And I I think it's better for that. Mm -hmm. But random, can I give a random? (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. Sidetrack. Of course. has nothing to do with this actually i had another random sidetrack too so you were talking about musicals where you you don't really have to sing Uh and you kind of just like anybody could play the part (laughs) there's a this group of people called characters welcome on youtube i know there's somewhere out there i don't know where there's recorded live but there's a a girl or woman named sarah smallwood parsons Uh she does a a song called the song in every musical that no one likes I think you played it. I think that. I have yeah, played I it, you it for you. That,
2: yeah.
1: And there's a part in it where she, she's playing this old man. Yes. I remember that. And she's, she's singing. It's just like, this is the song in every show that no one likes because it's boring. Yes. <laughs> and she, she's like calling out all these songs and musicals that reach like, that are this song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she says, um, I'm just an old, um, I'm just an old star that wanted to be in a show but wanted to sit down a lot. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, that's why five people clapped so hard when I cl- when I came out. <laughs> <laughs> look, look it up. It's a great, it's a great song, and it's it's true. It sounds like that song in every musical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was I gonna say? I don't know. Let, let's talk about the differences. Okay, how about that? Yeah, let's go there. Okay, off the top of my head. And by that, I mean my notes. <laughs> um, so in Pygmalion, mm-hmm. I wrote down, Mrs. Higgins is less mean to her son. Like, she calls him out on stuff, but she's a lot less mean to him. Like, she's, she's more like, oh, Henry, like, why won't you ever just learn, you know? Mm. Like, she does call him out on some stuff, and she does put him yeah. in his place a little bit. Mm-hmm. But she is a lot nicer to him. Okay. Um... But, in general, in Pygmalion, Higgins is called out on his behavior more often. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also because George Bernershaw does not want you to like him. He's constantly pointing out his flaws. Mm -hmm. Um, And you get more of a sense that Eliza in Pygmalion is taking a part in Higgins' home, like we mentioned. Mm -hmm. Um, Mrs. Higgins seems to care more for Eliza in Pygmalion. Mm. Like, more consistently. Like, she she's a lot more attentive to her even at her party that she feels so miserably at.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the, I see that.
1: I the one thing I wrote down about Pygmalion is it feels very pedantic. Like the whole time you're reading it, literally every scene there are moments like even though it's fun, there are moments I'm listening or watching it or whatever where I'm like I just feel like they're talking at me.
2: Mm. Like, this is what you need to know.
1: <laughs> this is what you need to take away from this. Yeah, and that's the vibe I got from Pigmalion. Yeah. Whereas in My Fair Lady, um, this is again random because we did not talk about Eliza's father, but it introduces Mister Doolittle early. Mm-hmm. So
0: Alfred Doolittle.
1: Yeah. Do you want to talk about him because we did not talk about him?
0: I uh, basically
1: talk about him in Pigmalion first.
0: Was there a big difference? Yes. I'm trying to recall. Do
1: you want me to do it too? Go
0: ahead. Just because it's been a long day. I'm starting to... My caffeine's already starting to wear out. In
1: Pygmalion, you don't know about Eliza's father until she agrees to go essentially live with Higgins and Pickering and to become a lady and take these lessons, right? And then her father, Mr. Doolittle, Mr. Alfred Mm Doolittle, he shows up. Isn't that how it happens in the musical? Let me get there. Let me get there. Uh, okay, I'm starting to. So he shows up at Higgins' house. Yeah, because he's heard about Eliza going to live there, and basically he's trying to get money. Yeah, like, like he has the most bizarre reasoning, and he's a very intriguing character. He'd be he'd be great to play. Mm-hmm. His his logic is is crazy, <laughs> but Higgins loves him, mm-hmm. and what happens is. In, you don't see him again for the whole play until the very end, when you find out that Higgins essentially enabled it so that
0: he could become a middle class. Yeah,
1: Alfred Doolittle would get a bunch of money mm-hmm. as like a lecturer. Yes,
0: a moralist. Yes,
1: and <laughs> and 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 then it boosted him up into the middle class, mm-hmm. which he hates. Yeah, like he liked his position in the lower class because, I mean, for lack of a better way of saying it, he was a moocher. Yeah, and now he and now everybody's mooching off of him. Right, mm-hmm. but it's similar in that Eliza and Alfred Doolittle are both stuck, like they're in a position that they weren't really meant to be in, and they are ill-equipped for this new one. Right, mm-hmm. like they're both similar in that aspect. Whereas I would say Alfred Doolittle is a reprehensible character. Yeah, Eliza is a like a, a noble character, and they're they're. They're opposites. That's why
0: for him becoming middle class is such a punishment. Yes. Whereas Mm -hmm. even
1: though she's scared about it, it is a reward for Eliza essentially Mm -hmm. in the end. But in My Fair Lady, because he just shows up randomly at the end and at Mrs. Higgins' house in in Big Million.
0: Wow, I'm I'm blanking right now. It's
1: okay. I'm telling you how it is. Yeah. But in My Fair Lady, you meet him out on the street first. And so you you get to meet him. Oh, that's right. When he finds that's out right. about Eliza going first before yes. he goes to Higgins' house. Okay. And then It's coming back now. Yes. And then you get you then know, what the difference is instead of him confronting Higgins mm-hmm. when Eliza leaves Higgins' house and she runs into Freddy, she goes back and she has this whole scene which is not in Pygmalion, mm-hmm. but I think is definitely worth being in the movie. Where she revisits what her life used to be like in Covent Gardens, mm-hmm. and she's she's depressed and she she can't go back to it, mm-hmm. but she doesn't know where to go and she's kind of looking back, right? Mm-hmm. And then she runs into her father, yeah. who now has come into the money, is in middle class, and and he's gonna get married because now the woman he was living with, who was not his wife, mm-hmm. like is basically saying you're gonna marry me, yeah, and and he's unhappy about it, obviously, and and so instead of him confronting Higgins. Eliza is the one who has like a one-on-one with him. Yeah. In the in My Fair Lady, and some people have criticized that, saying that Higgins should have been the one who, gotten the beating essentially in this one. <laughs> I I still think it worked fine. But I liked it
0: cause that's, yeah, I did. I forgot about all that because I'm I started getting confused. Full disclosure: I've been awake since like six o'clock. I've worked an eight-hour day, and it's still like thirty. But um, yeah, I'm starting to get confused. I'm also remembering in the movie when she goes back to her apartment. I don't even know what it would be called—an apartment where she's gathering. And she gets the bird cage and does all that. Do you remember that? You in, about in the, the 38 movie? movie. Yeah, the Pygmalion movie. Well, I didn't watch
1: it all the way through. I just seen oh, okay. I saw clips.
0: Yeah, so there's there's different scenes that take place that don't take place in the in the original play. That don't take place also in My Fair Lady. <laughs> and so my brain's kind of putting them all together. But I do remember like a hodgepodge. the hodgepodge, yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember the the dance sequence as he's marching.
1: With a little bit of luck. A little bit of luck, yep. Well, and then here's the big another big difference. They made him a comical character mm-hmm. for My Fair Lady. Uh which he, he's a little funny in Big Million, but he's not meant to really be funny. Yeah. He's he's more of like a societal statement, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. Against those who are taking <laughs> yeah. advantage of the
1: But, you know, when you're making a musical, you kind of have to lean into comedy somewhere. Yeah. And if he already has a little bit... Well, they already lightened it up. I mean, with right. Higgins himself. Yes. Yeah. I still think his character works fine. Oh, I love him. Yeah. But you, you get healthy. you get introduced to him early, and, and then he doesn't just reappear randomly at the end. Like, yeah. it made sense. Mm-hmm. And so I liked that. Yeah. Um, I would also say one of the big differences is, and we kind of touched this, Whereas the play Pygmalion tells us of things that happen, the musical shows us. Yeah. Which is always better.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, especially I know it's when a it's, different storytelling especially method. When it's sent a song. Yeah. It's a different storytelling method, and it's it's more modern to show and not tell, but yes. hmm <laughs> Especially for a musical. Yeah. Um, the shows... It shows... My Fair Lady shows the processes. That Higgins takes to teach Eliza, which basically are just taken directly from the 1938 film. Mm-hmm. Um, it but it raises the stakes in the conflict, which we said. Yes. And it makes Eliza's mistake more public mm-hmm. in the Ascot mm-hmm. scene, which is a big change from Mrs. Higgins' like visitation day in her home. The parlor scene. It was yeah. much more private and it and it, it, it she didn't have as much to lose there. Mm-hmm. Like, those people could have gone and said, oh, yeah, don't talk to that girl. She's terrible.
0: Oh, because well, I, I did read a little bit about the opening day of As- the Ascot races and how that was a big deal. It was. For the upper class. Yes. Yeah.
1: Opening day at Ascot was a very... It, it still is a big is. deal.
0: Uh, no, the hats. I know kind of the, yes. the hats. I see that yes. a lot sometimes. And it's, but... it's
1: very structured. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a whole thing.
0: That's why I love her, her yes. the ending of that scene. But... Her language.
1: Right. But... Um, when they, they changed it to an ascot scene. Mm-hmm. And part of that change, I'm sure, is because they needed to put more ensemble in it. yeah. And so they expanded it to a whole scene. Mm-hmm. But it, I definitely think it, it, it raised the stakes and the conflict for that scene because it was so much more public. Yes, I agree. And it was like in society, not just in someone's house. Mm-hmm. And obviously we said in My Fair Lady, Higgins has more of a change of heart. Yes, Agreed. I would argue, and some people I've seen people argue both sides. I would argue, my fair lady, the ending of my fair lady. It's showing you the beginning of him changing, mm-hmm. and it, it tells you he is not done yet. Yeah, like he will continue to change. Mm-hmm. In my opinion. No, I agree because I, I think yeah. I think
0: in the other adaptations, it's it's more, or at least in the the Pygmalion he was more just a petulant child and it, they kept him a petulant child and he didn't grow at all no no whereas in this one especially the- well
1: and then i would say in the 38 production mm-hmm. it's just he's smug and he's like i win yeah whereas i feel like in the stage and definitely the movie version of my fair lady it's more of a change in him yes i think in
0: fact i th- I think i saw an article I can't remember where and it was it, it was something along the lines. I, re- I just briefly skimmed through it. I didn't. I got bored with it. But it was something along the lines of why my fair lady is not as misogynistic as you think it is. <laughs> you know, and I, if I remember right, that's kind of what they were arguing. Is that when you look at at it in context, especially of the adaptations, but mostly you look at the the development of the character. You see that there is actual growth there. They didn't hit on what you just hit. Is that which I like? What you just said is that it. You're just seeing the, the end of the beginning.
1: Yes. Well, because I've heard people argue that the ending of My Fair Lady, and we'll, we'll say it straight up. We already decided. it. She comes back, and he says, wear the devil with my slippers. Mm-hmm. And in the film version, he's genuinely excited that she's yeah. back. Mm-hmm. Like, he's shocked she's back, but he's excited.
0: You don't get the smug sense of smugness. No, mm-hmm.
1: not at all. Like... He, he kind of feigns a little bit of smugness when mm-hmm. he like lies back and sticks his feet up to his hat down. <laughs> but when you watch it, knowing him from earlier in the film, mm-hmm. it seems like put on. Yeah. Like it seems like a joke. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem sincere because mm-hmm. earlier on, like when he's sincere, he's just like, he would just be sincere. Like he would just do it. Like he wouldn't, mm-hmm. he wouldn't think. Whereas in this one, it's more like playful. I always thought it was more playful.
0: I agree, no, I agree. I've got the same same yeah. sense as you and
1: i I'm not gonna argue with you with you if you don't think it's playful, but I always thought it was playful. Mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, that's what I like about my fair lady is it shows that a terrible person can change. yeah and i've I've met people i' sorry to say this. I have met people and I've read about <laughs> people in this research who have said, that he starts to have these moments where he's he's like thinking better of eliza mm-hmm. and a little negatively about himself but then in the end it's like but i got her back so whatever <laughs> and and so he just goes back to his normal ways but i'm like well you're just assuming that
2: mm-hmm.
1: but it's also assuming a lot yeah but because again i never really thought she went back to him romantically
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that's me and this is what I liked about Jay Draper in the video I watched. She has her own version of what she thinks the ending should be, and I'll let you watch her video because she she has a very good ending, and and it's based on George Bernard Shaw. Okay. And and his original version for Pygmalion. So
0: she prefers that ending.
1: Something like that. Okay. For the the compromise ending he had, mm. something like that. But watch the movie, the the show the clip is good. <laughs> But she even says it was not a bad choice to have the ending they had for My Fair Lady for the time. It was what audiences wanted, and it, and it, and it gave them what they wanted. Yeah. And it's not bad for the story necessarily. Like, it, it wasn't out of the blue. Like, it, it did kind of come from what you expected. Mm-hmm. And for the sentiment of the time, it was fine. She's like She's like, especially now... You know, after like the Me Too movement and, and stuff like that, like people may not like the ending so much. They said, "So you you can go back to like a compromise ending where you get to I see would... uh, her go to be with Freddie, and you get to still get the growth with um, Higgins." Uh,
0: this is where I would just so one of the things I've I've noticed over the last couple, three, four, five years is the, and I'm I'm sure you've seen it too, is the disconnect between. Academics, the intellectual world versus the everyday world, regular people. And one of the things I think that, that, one of the misconceptions I think still amongst especially intellectuals is that they don't understand how the real world works. I think that's always been a trope when it comes to intellectuals, but I think it's a very true one. Because I would argue with her that people today are no different than they were in the 50s. The Me Too movement has coming on, you know, uh, somewhat argued it had its pluses, it had its negatives when it went too far, whatever. But if all we have to do is look at the rise of Hallmark Channel and their movies, and to me, it's, I still see people who, that like, that's what people want. They want the happy ending. And I think, especially with this one here, I would disagree with her in that, we're, we've we've shifted. We've moved. I think they they some people want to think we have, but we really haven't. I think even still in this in today's world, people would rather have them together. Your everyday average ordinary person would rather have a happy ending than to have a compromised um, a compromised compromise ending. Uh, and the way, reason that came to mind was because I immediately thought of La La Land and how many people who hate the ending of that movie oh sure you know they love the movie but they hate the ending and they would and i heck even myself i'm not a big fan of the ending like i'll watch the first half of it and then stop up until you know a certain scene uh, because quite frankly there's plenty of hardship in life right now <laughs> i need my <laughs> escape but i've i've been i've read that and talked to people and have heard that idea so many times i just immediately thought of la la land and how people, a lot of people st- want that happy ending still. Sure. So I, I would just disagree with her in the regards to that's of society has changed. Nah, no, I would disagree. I would say the majority of people still want happy endings.
1: It's well, only- no, no, she's she's not saying people don't want happy endings.
0: She, I, I, so I no, I she to- was
1: saying that you know the ending line with him being a little smug and saying, you know, where the devil are my slippers? Mm-hmm. Like she was saying, that for some audiences after like the Me Too movement and stuff, mm-hmm. they may not respond to that the same like it, it, even though it could come off playful like for people coming out of that movement it, was she
0: talking about my fair lady or about pygmalion my fair lady so she saw the smug at the end then
1: i'm i'm telling you what she was saying that uh-huh. some people might say
0: oh okay so she's okay yeah. she's talking about uh, yeah okay
1: yeah she is very from what i can tell she is she's funny she she definitely is funny but she she definitely, for the most part, sees things from all sides.
0: Okay. Send me when you get a chance after. I will. Yeah, I'm curious to see.
1: I'll, I'll just show it to you. <laughs> but it's good. It's like 30 minutes long. How long? 30. It's oh, like 27. Wow. But it's good. Mm-hmm. But she was... she, Basically, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm going to cut all this out in editing. <laughs> what I said is what she was thinking is it, for her ending it would be something like Shaw's compromise ending for the 1938 movie. Where you get to see, like he can still sing I've Grown Accustomed to Her Face. Mm -hmm. But then he can go and have this moment where he sees or imagines seeing Eliza with Freddie in the flower shop. Living Mm -hmm. a happy life. Where she is her own person and emancipated. And then he realizes that he can grow as a person too. And that everything is fine.
0: So you're saying that's what her preferred ending would be? A suggestion. Okay.
1: Yeah, something like that. Part of it is going back to George Bernard Shaw's endings. Mm -hmm. being true to the endings Mm -hmm. but also meeting audience contemporary audiences where they might like because there's definitely a big change in movies and musicals now and i don't even have time to get into all that like yeah like there's a big switch of the pendulum right now Mm -hmm. for film and, and musicals and art
0: yeah i but i would still i would still venture to say that Yes, there may be a, a, a switch in the movement in the in the in the. But I, I still think that when it comes to what everyday people want, it still hasn't switched well, much at all.
1: I think you are misunderstanding me, mm-hmm. because she's still giving a happy ending.
0: But I don't think audiences would see that as a happy ending. But contemporary audiences.
1: Because here's the thing, mm-hmm. you we don't necessarily want her to end up with Higgins, right? I would disagree with that. You want you want her to end up with higgins like romantically
0: i think it's a better ending than the original one okay yeah
1: i've never wanted her to end up romantically with him yeah i always wanted them to just be friends Mm -hmm. or like something like that Mm -hmm. i think it's a happy ending just to see that she's happy and that he's had growth and that he can move past where he was
0: that makes a good intellectual ending But I don't think it it adds, I don't think it's a good ending in general. I don't. Sure. Yeah.
1: I agree to disagree with you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that answers my question when I ask you what you thought of the ending originally. And so you think they end up romantically together.
0: I don't think I've ever actually thought about it until now. Uh, Prior to this, it ended and it ended. and I really didn't think much more beyond that
1: how could you not you're always so intellectual
0: <laughs> i was more enthralled with the songs than anything else it it's it, i don't know i just never have but it's it now as i as i think about it i don't know I, that's a good one because because then if i really overthink it will they even make a good couple
1: will they? you don't even... remember what you thought when you were in high school or did you just really not think about it at all
0: I mean, I saw it and I, it ended, and I thought it was a good ending. But I didn't really think like, did they get married? Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't really postulate a a, a uh, epilogue. Mm-hmm. You know, I just kind of ended the movie and let sure. it be there.
1: Okay, here's what's funny. <laughs> so apparently, when they wrote the stage production of My Fair Lady and then the movie version, mm-hmm. they actually intended that, even though it's a little ambiguous, mm-hmm. like purposely a little ambiguous. Yeah they kind of meant it to be that they end up romantically together. Mm -hmm. They were just giving audiences what they wanted. Right. Yeah. I never thought that. And I can't tell you how many people in comments for videos Mm -hmm. and whatever blogs and people I've talked to in person where I think some people do think that, like some people do think why the heck would they end up married? Like that is terrible or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, most people have viewed it more ambiguously and more people have looked at it. Um, and I've been looking at all the different comments and different things. People mm-hmm. viewed it more like, like they decided to be respectful, like as friends. One comment I, I thought was really fun is they, they said when they were, when they were growing up, um, like as a teenager watching it, mm-hmm. they always thought Eliza came back to meet with Pickering to like, maybe talk about like something. Cause she said that she would work with him, like she, he could they could work with each other, mm-hmm. and so they they said in the comment that they always thought that she went to go see him, and to mm-hmm. like work on that, which you know this is obviously what they were saying, but yeah, but then when she they run into each other, that Higgins is just happy that he didn't ruin their friendship, and so obviously that's that comment I've actually
0: ha- have never heard anybody not see it. And romantically.
1: Oh, I've met a lot of people. I mean, there's obviously I've said there are people who do think yeah. that. And I'm sure there are a lot of people and who do I, think I, that. But and I think
0: a lot of it has to do with the the framework of... of. Uh, there's a lot that has to go into it. And
1: well, I think it also depends on how nuanced you are as a person, but also like what you're trained to think. Because I think there are a certain amount of people out there who go to see a movie or they go to see a fairy tale or anything, a musical, mm-hmm. where if a couple is at the end of the movie in a happy way at all, Mm -hmm. then they think, well, then they're together.
0: So, and once again, I'll go back to to that, my previous statement in that I think the majority of people think that way. Sure. You know, and... and I'm just saying that in a lot of the research, I've
1: been shocked how many people have not thought that way.
0: I think especially when it comes to people who are the type to leave comments in things are usually people who... They're, they're, it's, it's a special breed. <laughs> I've come to learn that from reading comments.
1: Well, I think it just depends on, on the subject matter too, though. Perhaps. Because I think this is one of those where it's a little debatable.
0: Yeah, but I think if you're more likely to leave a comment, you're more more likely to see things not necessarily with happy endings. But I, the other thing to keep in mind is like, I, I really have hated Freddy all my life. I've despised the character. I hated his his songs. I hated when he was on screen. So the last thing I wanted to see was Eliza with Freddie. <laughs> I just, you know, never resonated with him as a character and never cared for the character. So I think that that also sugarcoats the way I've seen the ending.
1: Yeah. Sure. I think it's. I'm just trying to say, mm-hmm. I'm not disagreeing with you. I think most people think that. Yeah. Yeah. That they end up romantically in the film. Mm-hmm. But I have been surprised by how many people I have met personally, and in comments and yeah. other things, of people who have not thought that. Yeah, like there are definitely, I would argue for all the people who think that there may be maybe are half mm-hmm. who think more ambiguously, and I think it might just like I said depend on your upbringing. It might depend on how you come to. No, the film I agree. I, I and... agree
0: with you on that. I think a lot of it, a lot of it is the more
1: yeah because like they're, they're I think I've heard people say like they're just friends. I've heard mm-hmm. people say um like she came back to like teach him something mm-hmm. you know like obviously like it just depends on on what you bring to the table it it
0: does because as we're talking about this um i definitely know that my personal experience dictates sure. what i want to see at the end of this movie sure cuz a lot of what you're saying right now it's it's interesting it's i as i'm as i'm analyzing my thoughts and my emotions as we're discussing this uh, it definitely is dictating how what I want to see at the end of a movie, you know. The last thing, especially if it would have been a year ago, <laughs> where I was a year ago, the last thing I would have wanted is a just friends ending, you know. <laughs> and so it, it's it's interesting that you say that, and and yeah, I think I think you're right. It is it. it yeah, and to be fair. When they Experience.
1: wrote the stage version of My Fair Lady and the movie version, mm-hmm. they definitely lean into the romantic elements. Mm-hmm. Like they definitely plant seeds along the way to get you to the point where, like, expecting them to be together. Mm-hmm. But you know, just because you expect them to be together doesn't mean that they would necessarily.
0: I, I think so. The more I'm thinking about my original thoughts back in high school. I think my 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 view of the ending was very much a fairy tale type view. Sure. Because it was realistically, I could not see like I, I could not see them married. Mm-hmm. Realistically, it just doesn't make sense how they could end up. A couple like that could end up. No.
1: I mean, and I'll throw something at you again. A little, it's from Jay Draper, mm-hmm. but I'm sure I think she got it from somebody else too. I'm sure part of it was from George Bernard Shaw. So when you look at the mythology mm-hmm. of Pygmalion. But also, you just look at the story. Essentially, Higgins is her creator. Mm -hmm. And how can you have an equal footing relationship with someone when someone is literally your creator? Which is a very interesting theological question.
2: Hmm.
1: And I, I mean, I agree with that. Like, you can't have an equal footing with someone who is your creator. Like if someone created you, like you could not be in a in like a romantic relationship. But that's like
0: going that. back to the intellectual aspect of it. Of and, course, and, and, I'm and, talking about Pygmalion. Yeah. And, and no, and, and and so in Pygmalion, that's kind of the whole point yeah. of it. Especially in the Roman era, this was in the written in the Roman era. Yeah. Um. The the original uh, Ovid uh, story. Right. It was there was a a stark difference between men and women. I mean, there was kind of that whole...
1: Well, even when Pygmalion was written.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why he kind of wrote it the way he did, was to show that stark difference between... Well, and that was a big
1: deal for the time. Mm -hmm. That she does what she does. Yeah. And that they don't end up together. You know, it's like A Dollhouse by Ibsen. Like, she leaves him in the end. And no one was expecting that. Yeah. People wanted them to stay together. Mm -hmm. But that's another topic. (laughs) But anyways... (laughs) There are a lot of differences between Pygmalion <laughs> and My Fair Lady, but yes. the fun thing is there are not as many differences as you think there are. True. It just expands mm-hmm. a lot, which I really like.
0: Exposition without not in dialogue, but in And I thought Audrey Hepburn
1: was fantastic. She was She she just You know what? I, I love Julie Andrews. I do. But they're different personalities. They're very different. And they bring different things to the, st- and to the screen. It would have been a very different character. Mm-hmm. I think she would have been a lot spunkier. Yeah, with Julie Andrews, which maybe is great. There's a there's there's like an innocence, mm-hmm. almost like an angelic innocence about Audrey Hepburn. Mm-hmm. And even when she's playing a Cockney girl, which like she's annoying and she yeah, like she lies and she is dirty mm. and whatever, like, like there's still something so endearing about Audrey Hepburn mm. that you're just so enthralled by her performance. Anything I've seen her in, like she's so compelling.
0: So fun roomy fact yes. Pri- outside before this movie, I had actually never seen anything else with Audrey Hepburn in it.
1: Oh, uh, I mean, but back in high school,
0: Back, in, uh, I, uh, pretty much until recently. It wasn't How until was
1: impossible. Once again, if,
0: Unless it was on some sort you need of to come AMC. Over more often. Well, so my my um, <laughs> go watch Sabrina. I, actually, I've seen bits and bits and pieces of that one. I just finished watching. We're going to talk
1: about Sabrina because they did a remake of Sabrina.
0: Yeah, I know. I saw that. I did see the. I did see bits and pieces of the remake. I don't want to talk about it because we're going to talk about it.
1: But I just saw. <laughs>
0: um, actually, I just saw two. There was that. There was one with Carrie Breakfast Grant, of Tiffany. Oh, Breakfast at Tiffany's, well, I saw. you about Charade. And I saw, yeah, that, those are the two I just saw. I never just
1: finished saw. Charade, I only saw the beginning.
0: Yeah, I just watched both of those. Um, my uh, girlfriend is a big Audrey Hepburn fan. And Audrey so Hepburn is amazing. I bet she's been exposing me to the movies. And so I, seeing the, her and, and those other things have been enlightening. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed those those two movies. Well, and Roman Holiday is interesting
1: because they don't end up together in the end. No, I didn't know that. My sister did that. Really? Yes. My sister's definitely of the same vein of like, it needs to have a happy ending. Mm. Whereas I can be happy without it having a happy ending. As mm. long as the characters are at a place where there's catharsis.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: Like if the characters have developed to a point where something has been earned mm-hmm. and growth has been developed... And like maybe they've reached, like I said, some sort of catharsis or something. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with that. Yeah, like obviously maybe I might prefer something else, mm-hmm. but I'm happy with that.
0: I think I I think I was more okay with it back in my 20s, <laughs> with the the stresses of life. Um, I prefer watching happy. So you're okay. You, so
1: you're leaning a lot more into escapism now.
0: In this point in my life, yeah. There you go. Yeah,
1: we have found the root of the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alright. Um any other differences that you want to talk about between the Pimeleon and the movie version of My Fair Lady?
0: I think we've hit on most of them.
1: I'm sure we're forgetting something. Oh yeah. So you hated Freddie. Tell, me,
0: tell yeah. me more. I hated the whining.
1: That was one of the songs on the street where you live mm-hmm. where I still love that song by the way. Really? Yes. My mother would make me sing that song to her. Really? Yes, as a kid. <laughs> it was that song it was Go the Distance from Hercules and it was Out There from Hunchback Notre Dame oh okay those were the three big ones for my mom Hmm. yep and then um, I got stubborn and refused to sing for her so then she started bribing me with money (laughs) yeah I can't do that anymore (laughs) but um, when I was um, the one time I was able to go backpacking in Europe Uh back in uh, May of 2017 I um, was there during Mother's Day Mm -hmm. And because I wasn't home for Mother's Day, I was like, I need to do something for my mom. Mm -hmm. And um, I was going to be in Paris on Mother's Day, but I was currently in London. Okay. And so I got the idea. I don't know how I got the idea, except for maybe I was just thinking about the streets of London and just walking around everywhere. (laughs) I found, I literally went and scouted a location Uh that looked enough like the movie. Yeah. And I recorded myself singing on the street where you live. Uh-huh. And I sent it to her, but I had to save it. Yeah. Because I had to record it recorded early. Uh, and then when I was in Paris, I sent it to her.
0: That's kinda of, that's yeah. really cool. That's yeah. really cool. And
1: she still has it. Because I posted it on Facebook. So mm-hmm. it's accessible if you can find it. But good luck. <laughs> Make friends with my mom. But yeah. I mean it's a little cheesy, but it meant a lot to her.
0: Yeah. No, yeah. that was really cool.
1: Yeah. I'm sure it's I think it's on my phone somewhere. But yeah. I'm sh- I can only imagine the people in those really nice townhouses just looking out at this guy with his phone singing a My Fair Lady number. This is
0: before TikTok.
1: Yeah. I thought about singing out there in front of the Notre Dame when I was in Paris, but mm-hmm. it was way too crowded and I was like and I am not going to be that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz I cannot stand those people.
0: <laughs> and they're everywhere now.
1: Ugh. I hate Instagram, <laughs> TikTok and I'm not on any social media. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I I wanted to read um a comment okay. from someone. Mm-hmm. It's a little lengthy, so bear with me. All right. I don't necessarily agree with everything he says, but I I like what he says. Okay. I'm assuming it's a guy. His name is Mark Thompson. <laughs> he. So this is on Jay Draper's video. Mm-hmm. I was just scrolling through comments. It's at Mark Thompson 112. He he said, again, bear with me. I played Henry Higgins last year, and we found the solution in playing Higgins like a tired toddler throughout act two. Irrational, emotional, all the things he accuses women of being as I was being damned if I was ever going to validate any of the things Higgins says. That's what he says. For the three parts of I've grown accustomed to her face. The first was played disdainful and bitter. Section two was callous and wicked, but section three was sobering, done like it was the most truthful thing he had ever spoken. We went out of our way to demonstrate that Higgins was basically showing himself his true colors, which we kind of talked about and coming to realization that in the same way he and Pickering had had an effect in Eliza, so too had she had an effect on him and that he needed to change. My Higgins had a meltdown sobbing as the recording played real ugly, honest cry. Like I guess in his version, like he came to a change a lot quicker and it was like a more drastic change. Okay. And When she comes back, Eliza, she sat next to me on the couch and I choked out a quiet Eliza. I put out a hand, she takes it, I go to say something and nothing comes out. I try again, nothing. I try one more time only for an errant thought to cross my mind. Where the devil are my slippers? Asked in full and complete earnestness. She laughs. I realize I said the quiet part out loud, and I groan, laugh, cry, and the lights fade to two friends, unsure but hopeful for the future, laughing at the dumb thing Higgins just said. That final laugh of the two of us really uplifted the final music. It makes it a grand, hopeful, raw, and honest ending. One that says we don't know what's next, but things will be better, and in my opinion, far more satisfying ending. That's what he says.
0: Wow, I actually really like that.
1: Right? Yeah that's why i wrote that's why i wanted to read it yeah, that was really cool and so it sounds like he actually did that yeah like, like he did that somewhere mm. and i think i like that i think that's a good ending mm-hmm. like it's less ambiguous it it's is. still ambiguous but mm-hmm. it's it's less ambiguous and it does not i think you can still misconstrue it as them making coming becoming romantically involved but i feel like even before you say something yeah go, go ahead even if you were to think they would be romantically involved at this point it may not matter as much because that's, he has changed that's
0: actually what i was going to say as i was going to say that it, it's not so much it's more realistic yes it it's it's the idea like he's of, more
1: deserving of her
0: yes and it could be that he's going to continue to change and they'll end up romantically involved or yeah. just a change occurred and they bumped and they right. both move on
1: yeah, in my opinion mm-hmm. growing up i've i've always thought this which i think is hilarious <laughs> i've watched this movie so much growing up but and it's one of those things where i stopped watching it at one point just yeah. because i watched it so much and then you know my interests were changing and stuff i always liked it but you, you, there's movies you watch a lot growing up and then you stop watching it and then you come back to it and then you watch it as like a full adult and you're like oh watching this a little differently now you know
0: i've heard the great little, Gatsby's like that
1: Oh, yeah. reading-wise, not watching. a little bit. Yeah. But, um, I, hated it. I, I like the word I get it, but I get it. Yep. But anyways, <laughs> um, when I was, I, I can't remember not thinking this way. Mm-hmm. I always thought Higgins and Eliza were too similar. Mm-hmm. And that neither of them would ever really want to be romantically involved. Mm-hmm. Even if they had really strong feelings for each other, which they do. Mm hmm it's undeniable that they do and they really do care for each other yeah they're way too similar to be together romantically i've always thought that Mm -hmm. and so i that's one of the reasons why i never thought they ended up romantically together Mm. i always thought they were just friends yeah i always thought that they would be like i i always thought they'd have fights i always thought that they'd be somewhat amiable Mm -hmm. but i never thought they'd be married i never thought they would live together romantically Mm. but that's that's just me you know um, I don't know if that's just me rejecting relationships because they're way too similar. <laughs> I,
0: I can see that. You know, I, up until pretty much recently, I've come to learn how you can be very similar to someone and it works. Now, if you're both prideful and can, you know, and, and argumentative stubborn. and stubborn, that's a whole other thing. Yes. Yeah. That, However, I, I think... And also I'm thinking right now. I know a couple couples who are like that, and they somehow make it work with a lot of bickering in their lives, but they still love each other. So, who knows? I I, re- I think I'm gonna, re- I'm gonna I'm gonna start going with what that what was his name Mark something or other. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'm gonna go with his ending.
1: I like it too. Mark Tom at Mark Thompson at Mark 112. Thompson.
0: You have rewrote the ending in my mind.
1: <laughs> it's a good ending. It is. I, I know. I'm That's good why with that. I ambiguous wanted to ending. give it a shout out. <laughs> yes, I was. I was actually very pleasantly surprised <laughs> when I read it. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I like that. And you see, that's a very that's a very good directing choice, yeah, because you haven't added or changed any lines. I, I so uh, like I said, I'm, I'm today's
0: a very I'm very I'm, yeah. I'm actually tired right now. The caffeine has already gone away. but as I'm rethinking my thoughts, yeah, I'm not against ambiguous endings, right? I just don't want a sad ending.
1: Sure. And here's the thing. There's a difference between an ambiguous ending that's just a cliffhanger mm-hmm. and an ambiguous ending that hints at things. That's true. I cannot mm-hmm. stand a cliffhanger ending. Mm-hmm. Like they're intentionally meant for you to draw you into more. Yeah. But My Fair Lady Part is two. ambiguous, but it hints at My things. My Fair Lady the sequel. Right. Like, the, Which I'm glad they've never <laughs> done. There's a difference between allowing the audience to think about what might happen next mm-hmm. and then just giving the audience what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, so I think that's the difference.
0: At least there's never been made a... They never did a sequel, did they? No. no. Oh, okay. I was going to no. say, I know they no, The only thing is days. what George Bernard
1: Shaw released yeah. <clears throat> with what he is said the same? true ending would be. Mm-hmm. Like, his very spiteful, this is what it is. You wanted the ending, here it is. We know <laughs> that if this
0: was yeah. a Disney one, they would have yeah. made a sequel by right now.
1: Well, because originally, apparently, when it, Pygmalion was in its first run, mm-hmm. after a while, he... And I don't know if it ever made it into any productions. I don't think it did. But apparently he had rewrote the ending at one point to the original audiences where people wanted a happy ending, right? Mm -hmm. So he kind of rewrote it. And again, I don't know if it made it or not, but they found evidence of this somewhere. Where Eliza leaves Mm -hmm. and she has the last word, which George Bernershaw always wanted. Yeah. She leaves. She has her way. She is emancipated. She is her own woman. Mm -hmm. She is gone she leaves him forever right um but then he wanders out on because he has already said that he has made her into a woman like she is now her own person like she like like he's proud of her now Mm -hmm. and but then in this other ending that he kind of toyed with apparently he like walks out onto the balcony or something Mm -hmm. and he looks out on her and then he walks back in and shouts out galatea
2: Mm.
1: which i think is kind of weird yeah but it also shows that he knows who she is now and he respects it. And so he kind of gets the last word, but she also gets the last word. Mm -hmm. And so it's a weird complimentary ending that is still kind of happy, but they're not together. Obviously I don't think it ever made it into reality. And, um, Jay Draper talks about it again in her video, but it was worth mentioning Mm -hmm. that from the very beginning, people wanted them together. Mm -hmm apparently like again just watch the video watch the video i can't do it justice but but yeah um i think you know so you hated freddy
0: i did yes to this day i still still,
1: you know i you know i get it he's more annoying in pygmalion yeah i guess i found him annoying everywhere (laughs) because he's he's more childish in pygmalion yeah he's just more he's more courteous in 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 my fair lady, but he's like he's like a puppy a and little
0: I bit. I hate men who are like that obsequiousness. Sure. It's,
1: it's just he's just I mean I don't like uniqueness. how much he fawns over her. Yeah. It's a bit much, but he's not as bad as in Pygmalion. That's true. That is true. I in Pygmalion it almost seems like he has like no thoughts of his own.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's amusing that no, I could see why he would end up why with, why Shaw would have put them together.
1: I mean, if you think psychologically, like Shaw wrote a very well done play psychologically. If you think about the characters and and like why they end up with who they end up with and so on.
0: Yeah, and I think that's why I, dis- I dislike it because I see what he was doing with his very progressive way of ending it. Uh, or maybe it also spoke to the way he viewed certain people at the time i don't know i don't I'm not familiar with the that era well enough, but yeah, in general um ever since I was in high school, and then too, part of it is is his music was the songs that I don't like <laughs> um, slow songs, heck, even most romantic songs uh. My daughter and I were talking about this recently. About we were going, kind of going through the list. We have our own playlists of of uh, songs from musicals and show tunes, and most, of the, I, almost all the romantic songs are missing. <laughs> not always. There's a couple from the Disney, uh, not the Disney stage productions that we have in there. Some of them I've added. I know she doesn't like, but in general, uh, his 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 songs and his character just were not my favorite. Yeah, whatever anything anything they're, else to they're, add? they're
1: really singable songs is all I'm gonna say
0: yeah I'm sure they are <laughs> I'll have to I'll re-listen to them I'll listen to the soundtrack on my way home yeah any other thoughts
1: I'm looking I just don't want to beat a dead horse no no I think I think that's it we 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 fleshed it all out I think so I think so gave our opinions yeah, any final thoughts?
0: I'm really glad I was able to. I know we we didn't discuss going into all the different, the four different versions and the original Ovid story, but I'm I was really glad there was a lot of original source material to go through, and to I think for me the the biggest highlight was in watching the evolution of the adaptations I think in some of the others when especially we've gone where it's just two versions mm-hmm. you don't get to see that and so I really enjoyed this one I really enjoyed going through uh, having a lot of source material original source material to go through. I bought the scripts here so I was able to go through that as well while watching them right uh, yeah I know this is gonna this is not gonna happen for a lot of the other stuff we're gonna we'll go through but. I really enjoyed it I really enjoyed it and then of course it being a very special musical to me yeah I was glad we were able to, to watch it and I was able to relive and sing along
1: I, I do have to say you know Shaw ja writes great dialogue yeah and it carries over into My Fair Lady it does which is the strength of My Fair Lady mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, the additional dialogue is is great too but <laughs> the comedy of Pygmalion that is just enhanced in My Fair Lady mm-hmm. is, it's in the unexpected dialogue. That's, that's my favorite dialogue. Mm. Like, I love, I love when like Mrs. Pierce has some of the best throwaway lines. Yeah. And she's she like one of the times she, she walks into the room after they've been doing all the things uh, like he's been training Eliza and, and putting her basically through um, raking her across the coals and, Everything right, and then she walks in, and she's like, "She's like Professor Higgins, you, you really must not continue with this. Like, it's just like, what are you thinking? It's just like, and it, she's like, you can't just be here forcing the girl to do these things day and night. She's like, you'll tire <laughs> yourself out. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just like that twist, like the unexpected twist, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like one of them is uh, Mrs. Higgins says, um." Eliza, however, did you learn good manners with my son around?
2: Yeah,
0: I remember that line.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and then I think um, like one of some of the more serious lines. You know, Eliza says, "I sold flowers. I didn't sell myself. Now you've made a lady of me. I'm not fit to sell anything else."
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I'm just looking up all the quotes now. Oh, okay. My favorite introduction to a character is in. The film version when mm-hmm. you go to the ascot and you meet Mrs. Higgins for the first time mm-hmm. and he kisses her and she looks at him and she goes, Henry, what a disagreeable surprise. <laughs> 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 it's literally the first thing she says to her son. I know. Yeah,
0: I like those yeah, I liked her character.
1: Oh, jeez. Ah oh, man, there's just too many. I can't I can't even pick. Oh, I know. Do you
0: have a favorite character?
1: Um yes I do. Do you?
0: From the my from My Fair Lady, yes.
1: Okay, go ahead. Uh,
0: I, of course, my natural inclination has always been for Higgins as my favorite character, but Got it. Alfred Doolittle. Okay, from the musical, Got not it. not the Pygmalion version, the musical version. <laughs> I always pictured myself singing, "Get me to you know, get me to the With wedding." The Cockney yes. accent, yes.
1: Got it. <laughs> The day Fun. I get married, exciting. <laughs> <laughs> what about Infigmalion? Invigmalian.
0: Hmm. Even though he's a side character, uh, Colonel Pickering.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. I've always liked Colonel Pickering.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He's just like, a good guy. Yeah. Upstanding guy, gentleman. Yeah. And he's always looking out for Eliza. Mm-hmm. All the time.
0: That's why I think he was my favorite in the Pygmalion version.
1: Well, even in My Fair Lady. Yeah. Yeah. Like consistently, he's he's always saying like, I don't think this is a good idea. Like, let, we need to get Eliza out of here when they're at the ball. Mm-hmm. Like, all, all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, the go-to is Eliza Doolittle. Mm-hmm. I liked her more in My Fair Lady. Okay. Again, because I think part of the problem with pygmalion is it just felt too pedantic mm. I I don't think I have a favorite from Pygmalion okay okay so I want to say Eliza I always want to say Higgins is my favorite because mm-hmm. because in my fair lady yeah and I I definitely love to watch Higgins like he he's just so much fun to watch and listen to. My favorite character is definitely his mother, okay. <laughs> Mrs. Higgins, mm-hmm. in My Fair Lady. Okay, because she is so funny, mm-hmm. and, but she's caring. Yeah, yeah. Like she she does care for Eliza. Like she does like even though she doesn't want them to be at Ascot and mm-hmm. everything, like she still looks out for Eliza yeah. and she kind of covers for her and she's very kind. Mm-hmm. But like she says how it is. Yeah, <laughs> and she's. She puts her son down, which she deserves. Mm -hmm. I think it's funny. I think she has some of the best lines.
0: No, she does. I agree. Yeah.
1: So I think we already said it, but we'll say it for the record. Mm -hmm. Out of the two versions, just Pygmalion, the stage production, and My Fair Lady, the movie. Mm -hmm. Which do you prefer? The movie. Sam. Yeah. Yes. It's easy. Yeah, that was an easy one. Yeah. And again, (laughs) I think, to be fair, I watched the movie first. Yeah, so did I. But i don't know i i think it would be tough even if i had seen Pygmalion first, i just knowing me mm-hmm. i think i would still prefer my yeah. lady and if only just because it expands on the story it fleshes it out it fills in the gaps mm-hmm. but it also makes the characters more redeeming no nope, i agree i agree like you can still get the same message but it's more fun mm-hmm. and those songs get stuck in your head forever oh yes mm. Still to this day. Okay, before we go way too long, I think (laughs) let's talk about our favorite game. What type of adaptation is this? And for those of you who have not heard our podcast before, please listen to our trailer where we talk about what is an adaptation, where I came up with four different types of adaptation that we'll be talking about in this podcast. The first is faithful to source material. Second is expanded. The third is artistic. And the last one is message-driven. And I think we both agree on this one but before we go too far I'm gonna originally we only were supposed to talk about My Fair Lady but we had to talk about the musical which mean we had to talk about yeah. the, the film version mm-hmm. of Pygmalion and obviously the original Pygmalion so let's first say what type of adaptation was was the film version of Pygmalion from the play artistic oh really you don't think it's just expanded? Because I, I don't think it's like You're right. exaggerated. It's, it's not over the top. You know? No, no,
0: no. I, I got my... It's late. Sure.
1: I got my, my
0: types miss Because uh, yeah. remember, I think mind. we agreed expand. that
1: the Pride and Prejudice from 2005 with Keira Knightley is artistic. Yes,
0: yes. So, no, it is expanded. I'm going through it in my head, and it's been a couple weeks since I actually watched the movie.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think it's expanded. You know, We talked about how they show know how it fills in the gaps it does yeah, it showed how she learned to speak well and be a lady but it also showed um, her at the embassy ball and all that stuff mm-hmm. but yeah
0: I, yeah I don't think they really expanded on the themes or anything yeah. else like that in the movie it was more just yeah. fleshing the story out so no, but I, I didn't I, expand it
1: i i do think i need to give a special answer to this one though because mm-hmm. in a way it's also message driven
0: Really? In what sense? Because they changed the ending. <laughs>
2: oh,
1: yes,
0: that is very true. Like
1: literally it's a message driven adaptation if they changed the ending. Cuz he wanted to keep it ambiguous. Yeah, well he wanted he didn't want it ambiguous. He didn't want them together. <laughs>
0: yeah, you're right. He didn't. He was very straightforward about that ambiguous. and they, yeah, they didn't care. That's true. That is true.
1: So I feel like it's a two-parter almost. It's I feel like it's expanded but with a bonus message driven. <laughs> No, I can see that. I t- I agree. I agree with your assessment. because yeah, it's. I don't want to say it's just message driven because it's more of an afterthought. You know, that's true. The ending. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then for that matter, let's let's think about *My Fair Lady* the film, and and that adaptation from the musical. And I'll say it's just faithful to source material. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there was. Yeah, I agree. There wasn't really much changed mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's remarkably faithful. It's just. The sets are better and the costumes are better and <laughs> that's definitely true <laughs> so i you know i think uh you know faithful to source material you know you're trying to remain as accurate as possible mm-hmm. to everything so and it definitely seemed to be yes no i agree so this was this was a, an interesting episode yeah we have a lot of uh, adaptations here all
0: right. Great. Yeah. Well, I think that's the end of our show I think for this so. time.
1: That was fun. Yes, it was. <laughs> that one was probably one of the easier ones we've done, actually. Yes, it is. I think. I think because this one was a little different. Yeah. 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 This one had that weird flow of adaptations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we still had a disagreement. And, and the weird thing is that, like, not as big as, uh, yeah, Nim though. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. I think the interesting thing is even though there were changes, it was still so remarkably faithful. Mm, yeah. Right? Like, mm-hmm. there wasn't any crazy changes. Mm-hmm. It was just, the ending was the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. And even then, like, the ending was different, but it wasn't bombastically different. Yeah, agreed. It wasn't like wedding bells in a church, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that was fun. I think that was good. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we missed things, and I'm gonna regret that, but whatever. Well, thanks again for listening to this Uh, episode
0: Uh, we hope you enjoyed our discussion
1: of course if you disagree with us please let us know why
0: or if you agree (laughs) with one of us and not the other also let us know why
1: great well I hope you all have a good week yes and good night good night thank you for listening to our podcast willing to adapt please like and subscribe maybe leave a review or just share us with friends and family we would
0: also love if you would follow us on social media
1: If you have ideas for future episodes for us, please email us at ericandromi at willingtoadapt.com. That's Romy with an I. And remember, when the only thing constant in life is change, be willing Willing
2: to to adapt. adapt.